and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you once again, God, I sure do thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege, Lord, and the opportunity that you bless us with together, together in your house once again tonight. Thank you for each and every one that's here. Thank you for our church and our church family. Thank you, Brother John and Miss Debbie, our pastor. And God, I pray that you please touch and help Brother John as he stands, Lord, in Kansas. Pray, God, that you touch him and help him and use him in a mighty and special way. God, I pray that you please touch and help us here at, at Merville as well tonight. God, that you touch and help us once again also. Lord, we're helpless without you. It doesn't matter who we are or how long we've been in the ministry or how much Bible we've read or studied. God, it doesn't matter. We're all still helpless without you. We need a touch from you tonight. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as only you can. Lord, I pray that people wouldn't see me, but they'd see you high and lifted up and hear from heaven tonight. I pray that you'd do the preaching tonight. God, I'd just be a mouthpiece, God, that you could use. And pray that God, the Holy Ghost, would open up our eyes and our hearts to to your word and may it become real to us tonight and speak to us in a special way. God, draw us closer to you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, I always especially, Lord, if they'd be on here tonight lost and never been saved by the grace of God. God, the Holy Ghost, would deal with their heart, Lord, and draw them unto you. Lord, they might get saved for it's everlasting too late. God, please speak to hearts and touch and help and have your will and way and all it's said and done here tonight. We'll try our very best. Thank you and praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we humbly pray and amen. Uh, once again, as I said this morning, this is another very, very familiar passage of Scripture for our text this, this evening. I Here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, many of you probably know this passage of Scripture so well that just hearing the passage of Scripture, just hearing the book and the chapter, you automatically probably already know that, hey, that's David and Goliath. We've heard that scripture so much, we probably know just from the scripture reverence already with the story that we're going to look at here tonight, David and Goliath. Uh, but I want to look at something a little bit differently, something that I don't know if I've ever even heard looked at or paid much attention to tonight in this passage of scripture. Uh, but God spoke to my heart about it and uh, uh, spoke to me. We find here that David, uh, we know the story, how that David was a young man. He was the youngest of eight, of eight brothers, uh, the youngest son of Jesse. And Saul has came and anointed him to be the next king over Israel. Uh, the rest of Israel doesn't know it yet, but David knows it and Samuel knows it. And so he's anointed him to be next king over Israel because God has rejected Saul from being king over Israel. And so he's coming down. He, he's a shepherd boy. That's his main job. That's what he does. He tends the flocks of his father. He takes care of shepherds. He protects them. He leads them. He guides them. Uh, he also, uh, sometime or another, uh, finds the opportunity to become Saul's armor bearer. Bible said that he found favor with Saul and, and Saul loved him and Saul said, I'm going to keep you around. The Bible said he wouldn't let him go back home, brother Tim. I'm going to keep you around. And, and it was an honorable thing to get to be the armor bearer of somebody important, especially the king. I mean, you can't get no more important and no higher honor than to carry the armor for the king. That was a special position. That was a special uh, job for him to get to do to carry Saul's armor, to be his armor bearer. But in the midst of all this, there's a battle there here in the valley against the Philistines. We know the story how the Goliath, their champion, the giant, was calling them out, wanting them to send them somebody to fight against. And he made the deal with them, if, if I win, you become our slaves, and, and if you win, we'll serve you. And 
No man was brave enough to stand before him, even Saul himself. Now Saul, the Bible said, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. If anybody was anywhere close to the stature of Goliath, if anybody was anywhere close to the strength and the size of Goliath, it would be King Saul. Obviously, a good king wants to protect his people. He wants to lead by example. And if anybody should have been standing before this Goliath, it should not have been the story of David and Goliath, but it really should have been the story of Saul and Goliath. But Saul wasn't even brave enough to stand before this giant. Here, this little ruddy young man, probably in his early teenage years, I'm assuming, there's, there's different ideas about how old he was, but he know he was a young man. He was the youngest of his brothers. A matter of fact, he's the youngest of eight. Only three of his brothers, the oldest three, was apparently old enough to serve in the army because they were the only three there on the battlefield following King Saul. So he's a pretty young, young man. The Bible said he was ruddy and fair to look upon. He probably wasn't some big, scruffy, muscular boy. I, I, I believe he probably had fair skin and, and just an average size, maybe just, just, a, just a kid almost. And he sees what's taking place and and he starts questioning his older, and his eldest brother gets mad at him. Alive gets mad. You're just here to stir up trouble. You're just here to stir up and watch the fight, watch the battle. You're just, you just need to get out of the way. It's amazing. I've seen young people get on fire for God and have a heart to want to do something. And, and it makes adults look bad and makes them feel bad because that young person has a greater desire to do something for God than they do. And they just stomp out the fire. Instead of fanning the flame and encouraging them, Brother Tim, too many times they discourage them and say, you just, need to, you just need to wait your time. You just need to get out. You, just need, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. And they may not know what they're doing. That's why it's up to us to teach and, and, and to lead and guide that zeal. Don't stamp it down. Just guide it in the right direction and encourage it. But so many times it goes the opposite way. That older brother, instead of encouraging him and, and being inspired by his youngest brother's bravery... You're just here to stir up trouble. He said, is there not a cause? So, so they rehearsed the words to King Saul. King Saul tries to discourage him as well. He said, you can't go and fight this man. He said, you're just a kid. And this man's been killing people since he was a kid. He's been born and raised to fight. I mean, this is his life. David said, there's some things about me you don't know about. There's some battles that I've already fought in private. There is some personal battles that I've already faced that you know nothing about. And I've already seen God do enough for me in my life. God has already come through for me in times that nobody else knew about. Just me and God that I've got enough confidence he can take care of this battle as well. Can I say something to you this, this evening? You're never going to succeed in the public battles until you first succeed in the private battles. There's some battles in your private, personal life when it's just you and God, nobody else around. Those battles are the most important. Those battles are what really makes you who you are. If you're going to succeed in the public battles and, and the prestigious battles, you first got to succeed in your personal battles. David had already won some personal battles when nobody else was around. It might not have been no giant named Goliath, but a lion and a bear is a pretty big adversary, especially to a young kid, and he didn't hesitate. They come and snatched one of those lambs out of the flock. And the Bible said he pursued after them. He chased them down. The Bible said that he caught that lion by his beard. And he yanked that lamb out of his mouth. Sounds like to me, David was going to let it go. But, it went, but when it rose up against him, David said, All right, I'll, I'll take care of you. You won't do this again. And he killed him. 
I'm glad for some people that mean business. It don't matter how big or how small their job may be, they do it to the fullest of their absolute ability. Brother Tim, they're going just as hard as they possibly can. It don't matter if it's vacuuming the floors or cleaning the toilets or whatever their job is in the church, they're going to do it to the fullest of their ability. Thank God for people like that. It don't matter what it is, they're going to put everything they've got into it. And that's what David did. He put his heart in whatever he did. I mean, he led with his heart. He led by example. He didn't ask anybody to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. He said, God's already brought me through some battles. There's some young people that, that go through some battles that we don't even realize and know about. That God's already helped them and brought them through. They've already seen some things that we don't know nothing about. But I'm glad God's faithful to the young and to the old. He's faithful in the, if we'll be faithful to him in the private, he'll be faithful to us in the public. That's just a side note. That's not the message. That's free tonight. But I'm glad David won some battles personally before he ever fought the public battles. So he tells Saul that he's going to go. And Saul realizes he can't talk him out of it. So Saul does something. And I'd never paid any attention to this before, Brother Warren, just a couple weeks ago. But Saul offered David his armor. Never thought much about it, just read it in passing, never paid much attention. But God began to work in my heart some significance of this armor. And the thought that I'm wanting to look at tonight, this thought of Saul's armor. Armor back in those days, I, I imagine knights in armor, I imagine soldiers in armor. Uh, matter of fact, we still use armor today. Body armor, our soldiers on the battlefield today still wear body armor. It's, it's something that we've never got above or beyond. Armor is a very important thing to a soldier. It's obviously, first of all, it's protective. I looked up the definition of armor. It says protective clothing with the ability to deflect or absorb the impact of projectiles or other weapons that would be used against its wearer. That's what armor's for. It's for protection. Uh, somebody that's in battle, you're going to battle, you're, some, there's an adversary. If you're in battle with somebody, you have an adversary, and that adversary is looking to take you out. That's why that armor is so important. Protect from the enemy. The Bible, the, the Bible talks about those fiery darts. That's those projectiles that that armor protects us from. The, the other weapons, the swords and the spears and the things that the adversary would swing and try to take, uh, take us out with, that armor is there for protection. There may be times when that knight or that soldier would swing the sword and he'd miss. And it was for that, and, and that armor was so important for when he did miss and that enemy struck and made contact that that armor was there to deflect or absorb that blow that was taken out against him. The armor was very important. I'll say this that armor brought a sense of pride. A lot of soldiers back in those days, they couldn't afford armor. Very expensive, very costly. A lot of soldiers, they didn't have the luxury of having armor to carry into battle. Usually only, only very important people had the, the privilege to wear nice, shiny, pretty armor. But it was, a, it, was, it was a thing that brought pride to them. When they looked at that armor, it meant something to them. I imagine Saul, when Saul was anointed to be king over Israel, obviously that made him important rather quickly. And he proved his importance through battles and through victories. And somebody sometime in Saul's life took it upon themselves to make sure that the king had good armor. They made sure that they, they, they probably came and took his measurements. 
They, they checked his size. They, they looked him over. And in whatever, that, whatever the best armor they could make in that day, brought him, they took the time and, and the attention to detail, and they made their king the best armor that they could possibly produce. And I can't help but wonder if Saul, when, when they offered him that armor, he's king over Israel now. He's leading his army into battle, his people. I can't help but wonder if they wasn't a sense of pride swelled up in him when he looked at that armor and took it for the first time. I wonder, I imagine what it might have felt like when he put it on for the first time. I don't know what kind of mirrors or whatever they might have had. Maybe he went to the water somewhere and looked at his reflection and just seen what that armor looked like while, he's, while he put it on. It brought a sense of pride. It meant something to him. I believe that. I believe it meant to any, any soldier that had the privilege of wearing that armor. It was an honor to wear that armor. Not only did it bring pride and it brought protection, but it was symbolic of a position. A lot of times on the battlefield, they would wear armor that was specific to them. It, it would have markings and, and, and different attributes to that armor so that it would signify who that was. Even what they wore on their helmets, it would signify their rank. In the army so that, so that soldiers could look and find their commanding officer and take orders from him in the battle. You ain't got time to go and hunt your commanding officer when you're in a field full of uh, people swinging and, and, and carrying on and going in the battle. You ain't got time to go hunt them down. So they wore things so that they'd be able to look and find, pick out their captain, uh, their, their commanding officer real quick like in the heat of battle so they could point him out. It would signify they knew who they were by their armor. It would show their rank in the army. It would show who the, they knew when they seen that specific armor, that specific detail or market on it. Hey, I know that's so-and-so. I know, I know that's my captain. I know that's the general. I know they knew who they were by their armor. They didn't have time to go and look under everybody's helmet. Who are you? They just knew by the markings of their armor who they were. Not only did it show a sign of their position, it showed a sign of their people. You could tell whose side you was on by Yarmor. You didn't have, if they couldn't tell whose side they was on, you'd have, friend, you'd have friendly fire. You'd have, you'd have people fighting against themselves, fighting for the same army, fighting against each other. If there was not a way to tell by their armor whose side you was on. It wasn't just by the flag that they waved, but they had crests on their armor and they had symbols on their armor. Hey, they were Israelites. They were fighting for the armies of God. They were part of God's people. They were fighting on the right side. And they could tell by their armor whose side they were on. Not only did it, was it symbolic of their people, it was personal. Like I said before, somebody probably came and took Saul's measurements. Saul wasn't an average sized man. He wasn't going to fit in average size armor. It had to be made to fit. The better it was made to fit, the better you could fight in it. The more flexibility, the more movement, the better you was, the more cunning you were in that armor, the better it fit to you. Not just a generic size, but I mean, if it was fit to fit you, man, you, you, you was a lot better off. So they made this armor specifically for Saul. That's why when David put that armor on, he put it all on. David was Saul's armor bearer. Those young men that were armor bearers, they probably dreamed, Brother Gene, of one day having an armor like that. Oh, one day if I could have shiny, shiny, pretty, I mean immaculate armor. Oh, they'd just probably just sit back and daydream. One day when they're putting their own armor on and going to the battlefield, waving that sword and that crest on their, on their breastplate and pride. and They, were excited. they, they dreamed of that armor one day and finally... 
That armor that David is carried around for King Saul. Finally, there comes a day, an opportunity. Hey, maybe he's going to get to wear the armor for himself. But he put it on. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't fit, Brother Tim. It would not fit. It was too big. He couldn't fit. So I like what somebody said to one time. They said, David took two steps and Saul's armor never moved. It was way too big for him. It wasn't made to fit David. It was made to fit Saul. If this armor is so important, if this armor means so much to somebody, especially to somebody as important as a king, why would he so willingly give it up? After all the, that the armor signified and all that it meant to a soldier, why was Saul, here in this passage of Scripture in which we read, why was he just carelessly handing it off to somebody else? If somebody's willing to give up their armor, that tells me, first of all, Brother Tim, they're not interested in fighting anymore. They no longer see themselves as having a need for that armor. They are willing to give up their position. I no longer need this. I'm not, I, I don't plan on fighting anymore. Because if you're planning on fighting, you're not going to give up that armor. That is your protection. That, is your, that signifies your position in the army. That tells who you are, who you're fighting for. You're not going to give that up. But somebody that's ready to retire, ready to quit, they no longer see that cause that David talked about. That's the kind of person that's willing to give up their armor. Not only that, but somebody's willing to give up their armor, they've lost confidence. They're afraid. The Bible said that Saul and the children of Israel were fearful of Goliath. It wasn't just the people of Israel. Saul was fearful as well. Saul had lost his confidence. He had lost that spark in him, Brother Warren. I mean, I mean, you had to have some courage and some confidence going on that battlefield or, or you was putting yourself and other people around you in danger without that confidence. He would lost his confidence. You say, why, preacher? Why did he lose his confidence? What happened to Saul that he was willing to give up his armor, something that was so precious and so uh, special to him? He disobeyed God and he lost his anointing. Therefore, his armor was no longer of any effect. His armor was no longer any good to him anymore because he had already lost his anointing. That armor was only as good as the anointing that he had to go with it. And Saul had already given that up. He disobeyed God. He wanted to do things his way. And he put aside the calling of God on his life and he gave up his armor. Can I say to you all the things that the armor signified to somebody that wears it? But let me tell you what it signifies to the enemy. It's a prize to the enemy. You know what David done after he slung that giant? The Bible said that he took his armor and placed it in his tent. When you killed a champion of the enemy, that, their armor become a trophy to you. It was significant of a victory... And a great battle and a great accomplishment that you've done in your career as being a soldier. It was a trophy. It was a prize. It was, I mean, buddy, it, 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 you talking about bringing pride and bringing appreciation. I mean, man, people looked at that. That was almost as important and almost as special as their own armor when they got the armor of the great champion of the enemy hanging up. Hey, they said, man, you're the one that killed Goliath. I've heard about that great big giant that all of Israel was afraid of and his armor's like, you must be David. They not only knew him by their armor, but they knew by the other, other people's armor they had hanging up in their tent. The armor of the enemy that they'd slain and killed, and they seen, hey, it was a prize, it was a trophy. 
Why in the world was Saul willing to give up something so special? He tried to give it off to David. He tried to hand it off and he couldn't do it. David handed it back to him. This ain't going to do me no good. You keep it. You keep it. So he kept it. Later on, we'll find in 1 Samuel chapter number, I believe it's chapter number 39, or chapter number 31, Saul's coming down to the end of his life. He puts that armor on for the last time. What a sad story. The Bible said in verse number 1, chapter number 31, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melshishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul and the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley and they that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, listen to this, and stripped off his armor. Listen to what they'd done with it. And sent it into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. Saul's armor eventually became an ornament and a trophy, and a prize to the enemy. Because he was so careless with the calling of God on his life and disobeyed God, instead of being a, a symbolic pride, a symbolic, symbolic of pride and joy, and a testament to the accomplishments of Saul, it became a trophy, and instead became a prize to the enemy. A lot of times those great men, those great soldiers, they were buried with their armor. Because that armor was such an honor. They would bury them in their armor. As a testament and symbolic of what they had accomplished. And the soldier that they died being. But Saul didn't get to be buried with his armor. But instead his armor was an ornament and a prize to the enemy. How many of God's people here tonight. Have fallen just like Saul has. And instead of getting to die and, and getting to wear their armor to the grave. As a soldier of Christ. And being like Paul, fighting the good fight of faith and finished his course, doing everything that God wanted to do. How many's armor has been, has been given up to become a prize to the enemy? I don't know about you, but I don't want to take my armor for granted. I don't want to take the calling that God has personally placed in my life. I don't want to handle it loosely or carelessly or take it for granted. But I want to hold true. There's something special about that armor being called a child of God, being in the army of God. He said, he said in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 3 and 4, Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. What an honor. 
honor it is that the King of Heaven and the God, the God that holds the whole world upon His hand, the Lord, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, has chosen you and I. We get the great honor of being a soldier of Christ. What a great honor it is! I do not want to take it lightly. I don't want to handle it loosely. I don't want to take it for granted. The calling of God and the privilege to serve God, the privilege to fight the good fight of faith. He said in Ephesians chapter number six, verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, you'd all have to agree with me tonight. We're seeing spiritual wickedness in high places all around us. We are in a battle tonight. We're in a hotter battle, I believe, Brother Warren, than we've ever been before. There's spiritual wickedness in high places everywhere you turn and look. This world is full of it today. We are fighting against some dark, wicked, evil things in this world. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's not against other physical people, but it's a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. If you're going to do anything for the cause of Christ, you better have your armor on now more than ever. You better take good care of that armor. That armor was so special that they had somebody carry it around for them everywhere they went. Had somebody shining it and taking good care of it. Why? Because that armor could be the difference of life and death to them. God help us to take care of our armor. To treat it with pride and respect and to cherish it. And to wear it like a true soldier. Because we definitely need it. He said, stand there. Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're in a hot battle tonight. And God help us to hold true to our armor and the calling that God's put on our lives. I'm telling you, we're, it, it breaks my heart. I see people that I never dreamed, Brother Tim, would fall. I see them falling. The fiery darts are finding their way through and piercing deep. And they're falling and becoming a has-been and a castaway. And, and, and their armor's becoming a prize to the enemy. And no longer, uh, no longer being a symbol of pride of fighting for the cause of Christ. has become a prize to the enemy. The enemy says, I got another one. I'm telling you, it's, it's probably scary to look at the closet of armor that the devil's got hanging up somewhere as prizes of the, of the men of God and the people of God that he's took down saying, hey, I got me another one. I got another set of armor, Brother Warren, to add to my collection. Another one fail. I don't want to be a has-been tonight. I don't want to be a castaway, as Paul said. I don't want my armor, my calling, and where God's put me, I do not want it to become a prize to the enemy. I don't want to take it for granted. There's been times in my life, Brother Tim, that I've took it for granted. I've handled it loosely, and it's only by the grace of God that I did not lose it. Thank God He was merciful and gracious, and He, and he protected me and kept me from losing. I could have easily lost it. It could have easily become a prize to the enemy. But I'm glad God's let me hang on to it a little while longer. God helped me to hold this armor. God, help me to hold my calling and the privilege to serve God and to fight for the cause of Christ. Help me to hold on to it and cherish it and to hold on to it with pride and be proud to be a Christian and to be proud to fight in this dark day in which we're living. You are not here in this day and hour by mistake or coincidence. 
Just as Esther was chosen for such a time as that, you and I tonight are chosen for such a time as this. As dark as this world is and as wicked as it is, God placed you in 2022 here on purpose. God has a purpose for your life. You've got a calling. You've got, spe you've got special, specific armor that only you can wear. Nobody else can wear it. Sadly, too many people are trying to hand it off to somebody else. Oh, what an honor. God help us not to ever try to hand it off to somebody else. Or, or be careless with it that it becomes a prize, the honor, prize to the enemy. But to cherish it, what God has called us to do. I'm amazed today when I look around. I've had some heroes, Brother Tim, that I had a lot of confidence in. Yes, people that I looked up to, people that I wanted to be like. People that I looked at their armor, I looked at their calling. And I thought, boy, I'd sure like to, like to know what it's like to wear something like that. Oh, what it'd be like to be like them. But instead of carrying their armor to the grave with pride, it became a prize to the enemy. And now my heart breaks every time I think about those people. Instead of joy and pride, being proud of those people, wanting to be like those people, wanting to be inspired by them. Instead, I'm, I'm heartbroken by those people and, and, and I'm reminded that it can happen to anybody. Can I say to you tonight, there is none of us above it. The devil is no respecter of person. He don't care who you are, where you come from, how big or how old or how young you are. He does not care. He's firing darts at everybody tonight. It's almost like a machine gun. He's just waving it around hoping he can hit anybody. He doesn't care. He's, he don't care who he takes out. The more the merrier to him. He's trying his best to thin us out. And it does seem like we're getting thinner. But it don't matter how thin we may get. I'm glad we're on the victorious side. We're on the winning side tonight. I don't know your heart as we stand. If Miss Megan don't mind coming and getting us a song on the piano. I tried my best to show you what God laid on our hearts. God help us not to take their armor for granted. I'm amazed when, I, when, when God opened my eyes to that, what a big deal it was that Saul was willing to just hand it off. Just to give it up freely. And eventually the enemy took it and made a prize out of it. God help us to take the calling of God seriously and, and to cherish it and to guard it. I don't know your heart as she begins to play. I bid you to come. Mind, mind the Lord tonight. God help us. God help us to keep a hedge around about our homes and our families. Around our church.